Hello, and so this is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another educational episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we discuss, discuss topics across the Cisco portfolio to give you the insights you want and hopefully need. Today, we will discuss the growth of IoT applications, the challenges of managing a multitude of devices, and the reasons why 5G and IoT are the key ingredients for the fourth industrial revolution. And to drive today's conversation, we have Cisco champions, Dan, Jonathan, and Liam. And we also have Cisco subject matter expert, Ravi, here with us today. Let's get into our introductions. Ravi, we're going to start with you. Can you tell us more about what you do at Cisco? Hey, everyone. Hi, this is Ravi Guntapalli. I'm a technology director, part of the CTO team in MassScale Infrastructure Group. We primarily focus on enabling our service provider and enterprise customers, understanding the technology aspects of, of what, what's happening in the wireless industry, but also helping them connect and build their uh, next generation networks, whether it's 4G that we've been working on for the last 10 odd years. And now for the last five years, we've been helping them understand 5G. Awesome. All right, now on to our host, Dan. You're up next. Hi, everybody. Dan Sheldon. I'm a principal systems engineer with WWT, a worldwide technology. I've uh, been here about five years, focused mostly on Fortune 15 customers uh, and doing network security, all things software-defined. Jonathan, what do you do? Good morning, Amy Lee. Um, so my name's Jonathan Mahadi. I work uh, in BHP, so in the mining industry. I'm a principal wireless engineer, so I kind of do standards and governance and help out in projects and do all this all the fun stuff and my passion is pure wireless so let's get into it all right before we get into it liam who are you hey good morning my name's liam keegan uh i am a solutions architect i own a cisco partner out of denver colorado uh, i'm a longtime ccie and my focus is mostly uh networking you know enterprise networking uh security collab but with a focus on devnet and programmability so so everything <laughs> a little bit of everything. Ravi, before the champs kick off the conversation with their first question, can you give us just a high-level intro of what we're talking about today? Oh, absolutely. So, I, look, I, we as an industry have been talking about IoT connected things for, for a long, long time now. We've been talking about how billions of devices are going to get connected to each other or even help us connect with the world, right? Um, I believe that the industry is still maturing. But like any technology, uh, any success factor, you need a catalyst, right? Uh, I do believe that that catalyst is here now, which is going to be 5G. There's a lot of capabilities defined in 5G. It's not going to be just one thing or one small thing or one big thing, right? It's going to be a combination of different things. So I want to make sure that we discuss today on what those factors are and how we can actually enable using 5G technologies in truly connecting the world with IoTs and making sure that we uh, usher in this new next generation industrial evolution, right? So that's what we want to discuss. What are the catalysts? How, how are we helping now? So maybe just jumping right into it a little bit. I mean, we've heard about sort of this 5G and IoT explosion, right? Where, you know, everything's going to be connected. You're going to be able to be in the middle of Kansas on a WebEx board streaming in 16K video and, right? I mean, you'll, you'll never be able to get away from it. But I guess, you know, the, the question that I have, I have to admit, like a 5G is, is one of these things where an IoT is something I'm not as familiar with. How relevant is this now? I mean, how much of this is sort of marketing hype and how much of this is actually going to turn into something that we're all going to sort of, oh, okay, I saw that one coming. That makes sense. Yeah, I would say it's a combination of things at this particular time, Liam, right? So, um, so when you look at like um, the wireless generation, wireless industry, right? When the 4G technology came in, um, it took a um, really nice device like an iPhone to trigger 
what happens with that network. Suddenly you start using the network the way it was designed to be used. Until then, just people were just saying, okay, I get I get basic access to the internet. An iPhone came in and it, it triggered a complete different evolution, right? Once you look at 5G as a technology, we have the enablers built in, right? When we started designing 5G um, about five years ago, we looked at it and said, what is it that's going to happen over the next five to 10 years? And when we're building this, it's not just about the next two years, right? You're talking about the next 10 years. That's how long a technology remains. What are the things that we need to account for? So within 5G, pretty much from day one, we accounted for things like how do I get more devices to be connected, whether it is using new spectral efficiency capabilities or even new bands that are enabled within 5G that are not used in the legacy 4G side. I'll pick an example uh, in the US, right? Um, millimeter wave as a technology in the US uh, is actually a wideband technology. Because of that, you can actually uh, use that for connecting more devices, right? However, that same millimeter wave could also be used to uh, deliver higher bandwidth to the users. The choice becomes, which one should I use it for? And that capability is built into the technology, built into 5G, so you can design that network. And typically what happens with 5G is, like once you start looking at the forums out there and everything, people are talking a lot about how the radio behaves, what is happening on the air interface, how am I connecting uh, the devices into the network. But there's a lot of cool things that we built into 5G that did not uh, uh, occur in 4G, or more importantly, that are much more easier. Uh, to give a couple of examples on this one, um, you could look at something like a service-based architecture or even security enhancements, right? Because we can't anticipate all of the devices to have security inbuilt. So we want to make sure that the network is actually enabled to offer all of that seamlessly to the device. Or even how do I manage the device from the network perspective or potentially even move the device between access technologies. The ease of doing all of that in 5G is much more improved compared to 4G. So there's always this debate about saying, okay, is it going to be 4G that I should use or should I use 5G? Should I use Wi-Fi 6? In my opinion, it's going to be a combination of deterministic factors that will drive you to that. With 5G, you will have the advantage of pretty much everything that has been built into release 15, some of the very focused enhancements we've been doing in 3GPP release 16 and 17, like you know TSN networks and whatnot. All of those capabilities coming together will enable the success of IoT. So it's not going to be one thing, in my opinion. It's going to be a combination of different things. And I think, Ravi, to your point, I think that's a lot what we're seeing just on our customer base. So we we support a lot of different verticals. Um, and I would say that the vast majority of kind of office-based um, customers that we use are, you know, very firmly in kind of the Wi-Fi 5, Wi-Fi 6 range. They've got access point diversity. They've got, you know, um, a lot of signal uh, access, I would say, uh, just on the Wi-Fi spectrums, but uh, more in kind of the um, OT environments, the heavy manufacturing, heavy industrial. Uh, I'm sure Jonathan's going to talk about mining considerably uh, more than I would. Uh, we're finding that in those verticals uh, where, you know, uh, Wi-Fi is not pervasive, it's just not capable to run, you know, uh, cabling to you know enable these uh, access points in these types of facilities. That's where we're seeing more and more adoption of the Wi-Fi or um, sorry 5G. Um, do you see you know in your experience has that been would you consider those like the early adopters of what 5G is going to be or would you see that that's kind of the main drive even after you know you kind of have those late adopters as well? I would say it's definitely early adopters, right? Because um, like. 
my personal view is we haven't really seen the full power of what 5G can offer to the industry, right? That is yet to come. We are in the very early stages of uh, how 5G is getting deployed. I know there was an amazing uh, Cisco Champions discussion uh, in September as well, where we, um, uh, Bob Everson spoke about a lot of different things that 5G brings, but he, he compared a lot of different things, right? I'll give you uh, an example of what the device would actually be, right? So um, today, if I look at the 5G devices that are out there, right, our 5G SA-capable devices, as I call it, is a very limited set of devices, right? Once the device ecosystem matures, the cost point changes, I think that's where we'll see much more adoption of the industry. What you're seeing right now is very specific targeted deployments like industrial automation where people are saying, I'm building this factory now. Why would I invest in a technology that probably won't last me for 10, 10 years? So it makes sense for them to invest now in 5G. If I'm shipping a car out right now uh, as a car manufacturer, I'd rather put a 5G chip in there rather than a 4G chip, right? So those are the kind of decisions that are being driven right now into saying, which technology should I use? There's always going to be this big debate saying, can I achieve this with 4G? Absolutely. There are ways of achieving some of the things that 5G delivers in 4G. The complexity might be higher, right? Um, uh, an example of that would be today on the 4G side, um, if I want to segment my traffic for a device, I got to configure a different APN. And that's how I, I'll be able to anchor that on a different gateway or a different uh, traffic network, right? Whereas with 5G, when the device connects, I can say, hey, look, I know who you are. I know what kind of a device you are. And I recommend that you're going to have to use these four or five different slices. Are we there yet? Definitely not, because there's no really slicing capable devices out there in the market in mass production. Can we do that in the future? Yes, absolutely. But we're building all of that stuff right now. So Ravi, just to touch on that, yeah, you mentioned some of the complexities with 4G in the past. So working in like operational technology, and as Dan was saying, I work more with mining. So our kind of ethos, and then the industry ethos is like, we're, we're consuming more data, uh, like telemetry data. We may have some bi-directional requirements for control. Um, but, you know, generally we just need to get our data from A to B. It's small data, right? And mm -hmm. it requires longer distance. So touch on that a little bit maybe from how would that look like from like an architectural standpoint and uh where where are the benefits uh you, you, you mentioned slicing um but what are the orf benefits as well yeah so um if we look back at what happened at the tail end of 4g right um the IoT boom was slowly picking up. People were saying, okay, now we've deployed voice over LTE, we've deployed data connectivity to devices, I got to do uh, IoT devices on 4G. And the example that you just brought up was ex uh, very important, right, Jonathan? So where the application provider said, I can't reach my device. How do I reach my device? How do I know if my device is actually connected? Uh, an example of that could be a uh, telemetry sensor that is sitting out there and monitoring if the door has been opened. Until the door has been opened, that device could be doing nothing for one year. And somebody just decided, I'm going to open up this, like, you know, uh, the uh, electrical monitor system or something like that, which you are just doing maintenance. And when you open that, that's when you need the trigger, right? But you still need to know if the device is available. So in 5G, when we started that architecture, we started building those capabilities uh, into the network architecture. In 4G, we added that as a uh, later configuration saying, you know, here's an SCEF, which will enable you visibility into your IoT devices. Whereas in 5G, that has been there from day one as NEF. 
and there's something called NWDAF, which provides analytics function, right? You take all of that into account, you can now request as an application provider or even the ITOT guy there, you can basically say, whenever my device is connecting to the network, let me know. Or more importantly, I would like my device to connect uh, every 24 hours or X amount of time and let me know it's actually alive, right? So that kind of capabilities are defined. So you get a notification, you get a trigger. And one of the coolest things that you can do with 5G is you can build that analytics capabilities within your network uh, pretty much from day one. Um, and one of the things that we've been looking at is sometimes like, you know, we as technical guys in 3GPP overcomplicate things, right? Uh, we are trying to basically take a step back and say, do I really need this function? Because um, one of the things that, that has happened with SCF and the reason it didn't take off is there's an application provider dependency. And whenever we go to the application providers, it's like, oh, you guys are nuts. I don't want to do that. I just need an API call that I just need to be able to send to the device, right? So we're also looking at how do I potentially simplify that so that we don't put the burden on the application provider, but rather trigger API calls back to them to say, hey, your device connected with X amount of time without having the full complexity of 3GPP. So I don't know, Jonathan, if that, does that help your use case? or you know, we... uh, Absolutely. It's really interesting and fascinating. Uh, I mean, the new terminologies um, and the way, like I always find as we transition from one generation to the next, they sim it gets simplified. Uh, but more dynamic in what you can do as well. So it's like the added complexities in the right areas. Yeah, and the other important thing is like, you know, we don't want these devices to be super expensive. We're talking about IoT devices here, right? So uh, you can't afford in your mind to set up a $1,000 iPhone that's actually like, you know, uh, sitting out there and do, doing some monitoring of a door. So some of those devices are going to be extremely cheap and that's how we're going to scale to the billions of devices, right? So the complexity for good or bad, has to move a little bit back into the network. But we don't want you as the end customer who's running this uh, business on a day-to-day -day basis to take that burden on. We want you to run your business. We want you to make your money so you can pay us, right? So, so at the end of the day, from our viewpoint, we want to make sure that you focus on your business side of things and we'll handle the entire network complexity. You tell us what you need as a trigger, we'll pass you that trigger, whether it's a door opening or whether it's something more complex. And the other thing that, like, you know, I, I like to discuss a lot of in the IoT context is about not every IoT device is the same. There is going to be an IoT device, which is just like you said, a, a telemetry system that's just monitoring small thing. But right next to that is a camera that is actually monitoring something else. You're streaming video, right? Those are, those are IoT devices as well, but a completely different use case. So you've got to be able to build the same network for both those use cases. How do you secure it? Security is, is a key area of our focus here in Cisco. Um, one of the, at least you know, given the geopolitical situation that's happening right now, that, that has moved up front. Uh, when we did the 4G networks, uh, security came as the last option. Oh yeah, just we need to first deploy this network, get data up and running. We'll think about security next, right? Within the last two years, the focus has completely shifted. Right? From day one, security is included. It should not be an afterthought. If you're not securing the network, if you're not securing your device, that's already a failure. Now, would I want to uh, burden the device to add the security capabilities into the device or not? That's the key question, right? So if I, if I break this out into three levels of security, one is, is the device who it says it is? When it's trying to connect to the network, I need to be able to say, yes, that is actually Jonathan's specific device that is connected back into the network. How do I authenticate that device? 
So we made some enhancements in 3GPP to make sure that the new security protocols are uh, available. So if you go back and like you know, Google it, you'll see that in, in 4G there were some issues on how IMSIs were being hijacked and whatnot. They have been fixed in 5G. So that's the access and the authentication security. The second thing that comes in is access security from the application side into the network. And this is where we tend to take security a lot more seriously and secure the infrastructure areas. And we don't want you guys to actually worry about, is somebody going to hack my network tomorrow? Is, is my private information being exposed? All of that is secured within a hybrid cloud environment and uh, we uh, encrypt all of the protocols, whether it is using TLS, for signaling interfaces, or even how you invoke our APIs are secured through private and uh, public keys, right? And the third level that I always look at is, there is always gonna be some malware that is gonna be flying around. And especially in the IoT scenario, you cannot rely on the device being able to know it is actually being hijacked or something like that, right? So when uh, we build this network, we actually add capabilities like AMP from Cisco, which can actually detect some of the malware that's happening and potentially block that traffic. The other interesting thing that we're also building in is when that security event happens, we don't want you to wake up in the middle of the night, right? Sometimes, I know Jonathan, you like to lay, stay, stay up pretty late in the night and like you are doing right now. So, uh, but we don't want you to be do, worrying about your network security, right? When a device we believe is being hijacked, we want to actually quarantine it, right? Um, the, a good example could be your door sensor again. If the door sensor that is supposed to be waking up every 24 hours or every two days, transmit one kilobit of data saying I'm alive, suddenly starts uh, sending 100 megs of data, there's your trigger, right? And we want to actually identify that within the network, block the data device, and let somebody else take action eventually, right? So we're building all of those capabilities into the network architecture. So maybe if I could, uh, yeah, sorry. I, so I, I feel like I'm coming to this from like a place of like the IoT idiot, right? And and trying to like map this to something that I know. So maybe I, like looking at the 4G networks, right, with IoT, and we've had Nest sensors and smart plugs around, right? And the, 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 the you know, the Echo Dots and whatever, it's just, it's grown exponentially, right? Everybody's got a thousand of these things, right? And and that's on the commercial side, but on the, on the I'm sorry, that's on like the residential side, but for commercial, you've got, like you said, door sensors and sort of, you know, environmental controls and whatnot, right? But when you pair those, maybe maybe what I'm what I'm trying to reconcile is like when you put those on a 4G network, right? It's like it's almost like putting a uh, a device on an old Catalyst 3560 switch, right? It's a you've got some VLANs, it gives you connectivity, it's got some basic stuff in there, right? But you're not burning it down, right? You're you're not getting any value add out of the network, right? So maybe another way of of, of saying this is is with 5G, what I'm hearing is that 5G from the ground up is much more like you're getting a value add out of the network where you can sort of natively secure, almost like SD access for cellular, right? Where it's like, hey, the policies are built into the network, the, the security is built into the network, the management plane, the visibility, the overlays, the underlays, it's all just sort of there and ready to be used. Whereas with the 4G and these IoT devices, it's just like, you're, it kind of works, but it's more difficult. It's not as secure. Like, it's, it's not so much about bandwidth as it is about all of the other things. Because that's what I always hear when I've always heard about 5G. It's like, well, how many more megs do I need? I got, you know, 100 megs on my Pixel. Like, I don't need any more of that, right? Is, is, that, a, is that a reasonable interpretation? 
It's a perfect interpretation, Liam. And I think we as an industry, we're not doing justice to ourselves by doing this whole competitions around the bandwidth. And I, I get it that like, you know, service providers like to differentiate using that, right? Because that's sure. the initial adoption, right? That's how you actually make buzzwords into the market saying, hey, look, I'm the fastest in the network. Is that important? Absolutely, right? So we need that uh, industry to actually boom. We need that competition that's driving this. But to your point, you're absolutely correct. What we did was when we started using the 4G networks, we had a lot of lessons learned, right? Because 3G to 4G, 4G was the first time we started putting true IP networks out there into the wireless domain. There were so many lessons that we had to learn and try to fix it. But eventually, I think when 5G network architecture started getting developed, we said, okay, we did, for example, like, you know, the VLAN configuration that you just mentioned, right? That, that's painful to manage for a service right. provider or even for an end enterprise customer, right? So we're building capabilities into the architecture so that you could leverage the SD-WAN capabilities. You can basically tie your different access network into one because one of the things that we're going to realize soon is that 5G in itself is not going to solve all the problems. There is going to be other access technologies. There are going to be some scenarios where it's going to be a hybrid network deployment, whether it's Wi-Fi or wireline or something like that. But when it comes to an enterprise customer, they shouldn't have to define these policies three or four different times. They should just define the policy once. And when the packet actually leaves the network, depending upon the access, you tag the packet and the same policy is applied across all of these different access types. Right. We can achieve that with you know, specific scenarios around private 5G if, if you take that into account. When the packet leaves, how do you tie it into this SD-WAN architecture or even look at new capabilities around SASE? And how do you build security into that? How do you build coordination into that so that you just define once and just sit back and relax and let the networks work? So I, I think my question falls very much in line with what Liam was talking about, is that uh, almost everything, you know, in my mind's eye that we've talked about so far has been kind of private 5G, right? When we talk about, you know, AMP friend points, uh, you know, making sure that we can actually see, you know, individual command and control traffic, that kind of thing. Um, do you know if any of these kind of security considerations or the IAM considerations and device fingerprinting and profiling exist on the public side, or is that something, you know, is that something that Cisco is trying to work with those service providers to ensure that though you have those same levels of inspection protection um, built in uh, to, you know, ultimately what our phones are going to use? Oh, absolutely. Or is this all private? No, it's actually a combination of private and public, right? Um, we don't anticipate that uh, all of the IoT traffic is going to reside only on the private networks. That That is a bit of a misnomer in my opinion, right? Public networks are going to carry a significant amount of IoT traffic. A, a, a real example that I've been dealing with recently was like, if a car manufacturer designs a vehicle within his private factory that is connected to the private network, eventually that car is going to have to move out into a public network domain and the software updates are being delivered on a service provider network, right? So we're trying to converge those two access types to make sure that the same experience that the enterprises get on the private side, they get the same thing on the public side as well. So security in, in that context, um, honestly, Dan, has to be accounted for the service provider. So we've been working with some service providers and actually uh, helping them build some of the capabilities into their public network. But also, when you look at how the 4G network security got done, it was an afterthought to a certain extent, right? Whereas from 5G, as they're building those networks, we're building these capabilities in from day one. Uh, the uh, example that I like to really give is 
um, when the devices uh, started actually connecting back into the network once COVID hit, there was a concern from service provider side because most of those devices, the cars were actually on the streets connecting back to the macro network, right? And suddenly all of those devices dropped off the network. The question was, what happened? Was there a network outage? Was there a security hack that happened? But we were able to detect that much more quickly to say, hey, look, here's what's happening. Right? We triggered notifications to the enterprise customers and basically said, hey, look, you know, GM, all your cars are not connecting because of this. Right? So that kind of capability is something that we've been building it. So what do you say? Uh, so like we've got a lot of peers who work in the enterprise space as well, right? So... And they are like moving forward with the next generation of wireless. So you got Wi-Fi 6, Wi-Fi 6E. Uh, and I know you touch base on it. You, you see it as kind of a coexistence. Um, but, you know, let's say in Wi-Fi 6, we've got, you know, uh, two megahertz uh, resource units and, and targeted wake up times. So what's what's the benefit of using 5G IoT in those sort of environments? So, uh, like, not going too much into the actual spectrum aspects itself um, from my side, Jonathan, because, again, that, that's not a domain that I'm super excited to talk about sometimes. But, uh, again, let's break it down a little bit, right? Um, so, but when you look at the factory environment, right, um, when, when you look at the kind of bandwidth that is required in a factory environment, whether it is specific resource units you are allocating, like you said, or the wake times and everything that you're looking at, some of those capabilities are built into the uh, 5G architectures as well, right? How you actually complement each of those technologies is what, in my opinion, is more important. And we need to be able to tell the device saying, hey, here's the capabilities that we built into the architecture. If you're in this particular environment, you're handing off from a 5G network to the Wi-Fi network, from that perspective, we need to trigger that from the network side sometimes to say you need to hand off into the Wi-Fi environment because that is where the Wi-Fi coverage is much better. But there is going to be device dependencies, right? Like uh, like I, I was mentioning, Bob Everson did, did an excellent job explaining how the device actually selects uh, the network at the end of the day. But in 5G, we do have that capability of telling the device, here's the UE policy that you need to apply when you're in a certain environment or when you're using a certain application because the same device might actually be using two different applications. So how do you tell the device to say when you're using a video streaming, do this versus uh, when you're actually just doing acting as a sensor, do something else, right? So that kind of UE policy can be pushed by the network. So you are in control of it. You as an enterprise customer are in control of it and being able to push that to the device. Who's using 5G specifically with IoT you know, devices today? So um, today what we are seeing, uh, Liam, is primarily public networks picking up a lot of the transition from 4G to 5G, right? So whether it's using what we call a non-standalone architecture where you already have 4G and you're adding on 5G networks now and you're trying to actually accelerate some of the adoption of 5G. A good example could be a connected car, right? When the cars are getting rolled out today, they're rolling them out with 4G plus 5G, what we call an NSA device, primarily because that's where the ecosystem is, right? As we see the industry ad adoption, as we see the proof of concepts, I would believe like you know, Jonathan's industry is one of the uh, most popular ones. A mining industry has been looking very aggressively at 5G as an option, right? Um, then we've been getting some very specific um, inquiries into how when somebody's building a brand new factory, um, a, if it's a car manufacturing factory, why should I not build 5G instead of Wi-Fi? Right. So that's where the adoption is actually uh, trickling in. 
Um, but I would say today, if you do a polling of exactly what IoT devices are connected on a 5G network access side, you would see a lot more utilities. You'd see uh, a lot more connected car kind of environment. And that's where we've seen a lot of success from our side. So when we talk about programmability and automation within, you know, kind of the 5G network, uh, one one kind of unique thing came up, and I, I want to make sure that we leave our listeners with it, was uh, a cool website that Liam brought up was called m2m.com. So uh, definitely going to leave that for our listeners. Go ahead and take a look at it because, um, you know, in the U.S. at least it's it's fairly cheap. I apologize for our Australian listeners. Jonathan says the <laughs> prices are significantly <laughs> higher. I'm sure they are for just about everything else, though. Um, but getting a developer kit basically with 5G connectivity, a SIM, and I think it's got like six months of connectivity built in to write your own APIs, uh, use developer kits that already exist and all those for somebody like me that generally operates a pretty robust home network, uh, test lab. Uh, that's, that's incredible being able to utilize that with, you know, uh, IOT devices, uh, smart home devices, potentially any Meraki I have sitting around, um, might be an interesting thought experiment yeah. as well. Now, the m2m.com uh, was a very well-kept secret within Cisco as well, right? So, uh, again, just to give you some history, um, uh, m2m.com was an acquisition that came into Cisco via Jasper acquisition. A Jasper control center team, primary focus was enabling IoT connectivity, right? Today, control center team carries almost 180 million plus odd devices, right, on a single platform. Um and it's delivered as a service. It's a global platform. Service providers use it. And when we're looking at the adoption rate around IoTs, we've seen a significant peak of that in the last year, right? So as like you know, more and more service providers are realizing, look, we got to connect these devices differently into the network. They've been adopting some of that capabilities. Um, so the reason we have that M2M.com and there's a really nice set of APIs that people can use and build build uh, things and like you know, play around with it is. Uh, a DevNet in Cisco, right? So we publish all the APIs that Control Center team uh, actually builds. The coolest thing around uh, that is when you are actually trying those things out, you're actually trying it out on a real service provider network, right? It's not just a dummy fake network. It's a real service provider network. You're getting the true experience of what the service provider has built for the enterprise customers or a developer out there. That's all right. Off you go, Liam. No, no, I was, I was just going to tee off of that, that and say, you know, when I was doing some some research and finding the site, I mean, really, you know, the economics around the 5G, even just for, you know, the dev test kits and and even bringing it into production, you know, based on my cocktail napkin math, I mean, you can get a SIM card and a IoT data plan from, you know, a couple of the major carriers in the United States for $3 a month, right? And so I think like a lot of the perception has been, at least from my perspective of like, well, you know, why on earth would I, would I cellular enable a 4G or 5G enable something if I've got to spend $80, $100 a month? But I was looking at it like, you know, in a, in a, you know, for 500 devices, that cost drops to $1.50. And that's basically what you can just go order online for, right? So, you know, yeah. if you're talking hundreds of thousands of devices and hundreds of thousands of SIMs, you've got to, like, it really, like, I think that was the thing that surprised me the most was that, no, you know, this is super accessible, I mean, even for most mid to large size businesses that have 500 of anything, like you got 500 doors. All right. Well, it's 750 bucks a month. I mean, it's not, it's not a lot of money with that though. I'm sorry. With that though, can you just sort of talk about real quick? Cause I think that's, this is actually one of the super interesting pieces of like what the, the IOT control center provides when you sign up with these carriers and you're leveraging that Cisco backend technology. 
right oh now i can talk for one hour so uh, so oh, no. the, for, <laughs> so uh, iot control center is a software as a service platform right um so what control center enables is for service providers to uh, onboard new enterprises so let's take a very simple example right let's say a car manufacturer comes to a service provider and says hey look i have all these devices in my car uh, I, I need connectivity for my telemetry systems. I need connectivity for my software upgrades. I need connectivity for potentially even streaming video in the future uh, for my kids to watch, right? When they have to onboard something like that today and run on their consumer network, it's a significant cost burden, right? So what Control Center actually enables is for that particular enterprise customer to be onboarded much quickly onto the service provider domain. And that control center is going to be heart of our future as well as we look at um, private networks and what we do in the, in the next few years, right? Within control center, what we enable for the service provider is a visibility of what's happening with their entire set of enterprise customers, whether uh, it is like, you know, a car manufacturing doing something or where the car is at, at a particular given particular time. But more importantly, we also enable within the same dashboard a management system for the enterprise customers, right? So the challenge that we see is the enterprise customers don't want to understand the complexity of the 3GPP networks all the time, right? If I go in and basically say, hey, look, here's an AMF, here's an SMF, uh, here's a UPF, that's too complex for the enterprise customer. So what we've actually done is there you go. <laughs> so, so the idea was to basically boil all of that down into being able to run your network or, or your business on a day-to-day -day basis rather than trying to understand the complexity of the network. So if you want to define a policy, you go into control center and say, these 10 devices are actually cameras and the other 100 devices are actually door sensors. Now you group policy them and say that, okay, for the door sensors, here's the bandwidth I want to apply. So that kind of capability is built in. And another capability that I really like to talk about is uh, when when you're looking for a vehicle, um, you basically uh, traditionally see that as a VIN number, right? at least in the US, that's the primary aspect for us. So in control center, you can go in and define a VIN number for a vehicle and search for that if there's some issue going on, rather than have to go look up, oh, what is the MZ that I had assigned it to that particular car, right? So that's the kind of capabilities that control center builds in. Um, and from service providers perspective, they really like that platform because it's being delivered as a service. And all they have to do is sit back and relax, right? So, uh, and they get notifications if something is going wrong. Cisco team handles most of the issues. Actually, that was my question as well, Liam. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I was going to say it in a different way. So um, I work with a lot of, um, you know, different teams. We have some really smart uh, software developers and they don't understand networking, right? So like, this sounds like the, you know, you've got the right tool set. And I guess the question was, if they want to start off, go to this website, get yourself some, trial kits and off you go right plug and play essentially it's some automation. Uh, absolutely and um, like you know when you look at what happened to lte right all of the applications that are out there today whether it's airbnb whether it's uber how you order your food today all of these were done by the developers sitting out there saying hey look now i have connectivity into a mobile device that's what we expect going into 5G, right? We want the developers to be enabled so they build the applications. I can I cannot even imagine what's coming for us in the next five years in uh, 5G, but we just want to enable that level of tool sets so somebody that's smart out there who understands the business value of it, who understands how to build these applications can build this. We want to enable that connectivity for them. So it's a connectivity platform so that the developers can go build solutions. I think that's a good place to wrap up. 
Um, if you want to learn more about today's topic, check out the links in the show notes below. And of course, my weekly reminder, you can subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to click that subscribe or follow button now. Thank you for listening in. 